Hello friends and welcome to Thursday's Kings of Anglia podcast. Today is going to be a good day friends because Ipswich Town produced a statement win. The biggest win of the season, not in terms of goals scored, but certainly in terms of impact. And as I say, statement winning 4-0 at Pompey, Checkbook FC. Get that in your pipe and smoke it, boys. They won 4-0 at Pompey. Uh, I am Mark Heath. I'm your host as ever. It's a cut down, slimmed down version of the pod today. There's just three of us. Mr. Bacon, as predicted, has been poached and will be appearing on BBC Radio Suffolk later on today to talk about his new book. Fame has totally gone to his head. And Roscoe, as we've just been discussing, I'm not sure where he is. Um, Tried to get hold of him this morning. Can't get hold of him. I know he's out last night. So the boy Rossi has let himself down badly and I will be having words with him in due course. Angry words, I'd imagine. But boys, I never have angry words with you because you are the boys who are in Pompey on Tuesday night. And what a night it was. I'm going to start with you, Andy Hutch Warren. How are you? How was Pompey? How's things? What transfer fee did we get for Bacon? Uh, well, he was. I kind of inherited him in the squad, didn't I? He's, he's very much been part of the furniture for some time. Um and the Radio Suffolk thing is is it's kind of a what's what's the word? It's a one game trial, I guess. Right. Okay. Uh, so if he performs well, then we can talk. We can talk potatoes. Okay. Big money, though. Yeah. We're not. Well, his, it his value's gone up recently. It, it depends what they want to do with him, I guess. Um, but yeah, so he's on. He's on Radio Suffolk. He's on the Leslie Dolphin sofa today. I think virtually um, discussing his new novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is words I never ever thought would come out of my mouth. Um, but there you go. That's that's what it is. The porker is, as I say, headed to the stratosphere. He, he's he's spent a few moments with us, come to an award ceremony, uh, and now he's he's off to Radio Suffolk uh, on the next stage of his journey. So yeah. Um, but how are you, Hutchie? Enough about the porker. How are you? I'm I'm all right, thank you. I miss. I, I will be. It'll be a sad day if Mike if Mike does eventually move on. But you can't you can't deny uh, your players the chance to move if their heads turned. You, you don't want they're just going to come back and cause trouble aren't they and i imagine that he will that 100 that, we're not far he... from the transfer request being slapped in <laughs> it's the old uh flynn downs crystal palace thing all over again isn't it um so we'll, we'll see what happens with the porker but if you're listening to this uh, on thursday and it's up in time um i think he's on at 3 30 p.m this afternoon leslie dolphin show so get on that because i'm sure he'll be very entertaining um Someone who's also very entertaining, of course, is the Doctor Stuart of House Watson. How are you, my friend? Good, thank you. How was Pompey? And most importantly, how was the trip back? Because you boys travelled separately on the way back. Hutch had to come back on the night for childcare reasons. You took the option, as as I'm a big fan of you doing, to stay over in a palatial five-star hotel. Uh, You had the boy Mm -hmm. Ross... Three-star hotel. Three, well, okay, three-star. Um, you had the boy Rossi with you, though, uh, and came back with him on the train yesterday. Uh, so was it like a little um, a flashback to our night out in London? Was it like being a, a dad again yesterday to a, a slightly uh, immature teenage child? I did just say to Andy, had I not been there, I, I fear that Ross might still be on the, the London tube doing circuits of that now. Um <laughs> Yeah, we we obviously had to you have to get yourself across from Waterloo to Liverpool Street to to meet the connecting train, and uh, Ross just uh, decided that he thought the Jubilee line was the one to take because he had a vague recollection of being on it once. Nice. Um, so yeah, da- Dad had to take over and uh, 
make sure we we got ourselves across you, the city. You were working as well, weren't you, on the train? Proper like multitasking. I assume Ross was just kind of staring out the window and saying squirrel every now and then, that kind of stuff. He's <laughs> <laughs> all right. He had his AirPods in. He uh, he, knew, he knew not to uh, disrupt not the flow. To, exactly. You do not disrupt Stuart Watson's flow. Exactly. If you do, if you do. Um, there would have been serious trouble on that train, and he's probably in the in the quiet carriage as well. And he would have felt the wrath of of Stuart Watson. You'd have liked it, Mark. We were quite near a table of very loud young men that were proclaiming themselves to be cage fighters. Were involved in cage warriors and were talking very loudly about leg kicking people and uh, gassing what... at the end of fights. You don't know who who they were, do you? No, of course, know. he doesn't know who they were. I have a friend, Tariq Pell, who was out sparring in London yesterday. It could well have been him. Um, Travelling back to Norwich, they would have been. Anyway, um, I digress, boys. <laughs> I digress. Let's talk about Ipswich Town thrashing, tonking, thumping, humiliating Portsmouth at their own gaff, 4-0. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful night. And what a wonderful time to be alive it is. Stewie, give us your opening thoughts on this magnificent victory. Statement win, no doubt about it. Even with Portsmouth's worries at the moment, to go to Fratton Park and win 4-0 is um, quite the result, isn't it? And one that I'm sure has made others across the league sit up and, and take notice. This is a Portsmouth side, lest we forget, that beat Sunderland 4-0 at Fratton Park not that long ago. So not to be sniffed at and take absolutely nothing away from Ipswich Town, that was... As Paul Cook said, their most complete performance of the season. It had, we know that they've got goals in them, but the, the few question marks that have been over their head is, can they be clinical when on top and ruthlessly finish off and shut down games or when on top? They did that. Can they manage the game after going in front? They did that. They got to half time and they started in, on, on the front foot and set the tone in the second half. Can they be physical and aggressive and deal with um, that side of the game in tough, windy conditions? They did that in the first half as well. They won the fight before they won the football match. So pulled everything together really nicely um, to a man. Um, were excellent, I thought. Mm. Hutchie, your opening thoughts. What did you make of the team, first of all? We discussed on Monday um, areas that they could change and Toto and Ciala Julie came in as discussed. Um, Connor Chaplin stayed in that 10 role. What did you What did you make of the team and the performance? It was, just, it was with, with Walton coming in in goal as well. It's similar to what we discussed, wasn't it? Mm. Um, it it's, I think they were changes that maybe uh, would come at some point. I didn't expect Toto to come in for this one, but he did and he, and he performed He performed well, just like they all did. Um, but as you just said, that the most pleasing thing about it was the game, the game management. Um, in all the different phases, they did things that they haven't done consistently, and they certainly haven't done them all at the same time in a game. Um, they came out strong, um, they putting themselves about early. I think that they were up for this one coming out, coming out onto the pitch, and they they saw it through for ninety minutes and, and got their and got their rewards. I'm not I'm not bothered that Portsmouth are, are in a tough run, a very tough run. Um, does doesn't bother me in the slightest that that that's the team that they've beaten to do this. They're a good side, good players, a manager that will always put a com- competitive team on the field, even if they're not producing the quality. Um, and it's a, it, and it is a win that that not just sends a statement out to the rest of the league. I think more importantly, kind of sends a statement out 
to Ipswich, to Ips, to the club's own fans, mm. um, to the players themselves, um, that they've got this kind of level of complete performance in them because we knew they had, we knew they had because we've seen all the pieces, mm. um, but to, for, but to to see them put it all together mm. is what we've been waiting for. There's one one other element that I don't want to dwell on too much, but to get that sort of result, you do also need a little slice of luck or two along the way, dare I say? And Portsmouth had best chance of the first half which uh, Harness put put wide and obviously the goalkeepers had a, a night to forget as well but so luck, luck at key moments can play a part or a good little bit of fortune plays a part but as I kept saying at the very start take nothing away from Ipswich because you have to capitalise on that mm. boy did they capitalise they used a term that I loved from earlier in the season that Hutchie said they stamped on their throat and that's exactly what they did again, didn't they, Hutchie? It's always good when you've got yeah. the ability to stamp on someone's throat. Um, Stewie, touching on what Hutchie just mentioned there then, how good was this win? We've already referred to it as a statement win, a very impressive win on paper against one of the fellow League One big boys, no doubt about it, Pompey and Town are right up there in terms of size of clubs in League One. But Hutchie also said they're not doing very well at the moment. <laughs> so how, how good was this? Because you look at it, obviously Town, Town's win so far this season have come against sides largely that are struggling. The 6-0 win was against Doncaster, who were awful. This 4-0 win was against the Pompey side, who were also struggling. So in, in the grand scheme of things, how good was this victory, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's it's provided a very nice platform now going into these games. Obviously, Fleetwood at home now on Saturday. Chance to go and make it back-to-back league wins. Ipswich haven't done that since Paul Cook's been appointed manager back in March. They've not won back-to-back league games. So they've got to now, as I said earlier, they, they've kind of answered a few of these little mini questions about have they got, after the Accrington game, have they got the fight and is there too much complacency in this squad? I think they've answered that quite well in the subsequent games. You know, can they can they finish teams off when on top? So they've, they've started answering some of these. The next question now is can they can they back it up? Which we've been stuck in this cycle of one step forward, two steps back. So Saturday's a big one in that respect. And if if they can answer that question, that sets up a very nice platform going into games against the likes of Plymouth, Wickham. Sunderland on the not too distant future so um, slowly but surely it just feels like we talked about cautious optimism a few weeks ago just that things are just starting to drop into place and it's this this slow burner of a season is um, could start to heat up hopefully. Yeah certainly that is that is the next big thing isn't it is now they've got this this statement win they need to build on it that means nothing if they if they don't win really at home against a struggling Fleetwood Town side on Saturday and we'll come on to that in due course but let's continue to bathe for a little while longer boys in the in the positivity of this result excuse me <clears throat> that's got it Hutchie <clears throat> what stood out for you about the performance what did you like I, I like <laughs> yeah I liked that I liked that we came away from it not talking about a that they were not talking about a consensus absolute standout star man that we were debating um who that might be because there were probably four or five that you could, you could talk about as, as having really good games. And that that's what you need. You need, you need a team that are delivering good performances in all areas of the pitch. Janoi Danassian played really well. George Edmondson played really well. I thought Lee Evans played really well. Clearly Macaulay Bond scored a, a, a really, another really nice Macaulay Bond style goal. Um, like 
Wes Burns made an impact off the bench. Sonia Luco did it again. Connor Chaplin had a really good game at his old club, and they, they all, they all happen. And the ones I've not mentioned there were all solid as well. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that not not mentioning them because they were they were poor? They weren't. They were they were really good, and it's a proper full on team performance. And that's what that's what pleased me the most, rather than sort of winning a game because because Macaulay Bond came up with another kind of nuisance nuisance goal. That that was just the start of it. I think four different goal scorers pleases me. The fact that, you, you know, we talked about, we hope that Macaulay Bond is going to carry on like this forever, but chances are he it's not going to be like this the whole time. But Ipswich have got goals throughout this team now. For years, we've been talking about the lack of assists and goals from other areas of the team, from midfield. I think I saw a stat on Twitter the other day saying that there's been more assists from midfield players already this season than there was for the entirety of last. So that mm. that speaks volumes. But also, let's not overlook the value of the clean sheet as well. That, that is every bit as big to me as the, as the four goals. Um, at 4-0, even at 3-4-0, and four nil, Ipswich played with a real intensity and desire to see out that clean sheet because mm. how often do you see a team have won the game, got it done, and, and then you concede a... A, cons- a silly consolation goal towards the end. But Christian Walton, back in the team, had a little bit of a shaky start where he had a couple of clearances charged down, but he made a couple of really solid saves towards the end to see out that, that clean sheet. You saw what it meant to Toto Enciala back in the side with footage of him really letting out a roar at the final whistle. Um, and Andy mentioned Edmondson and, and John Oydenassian, who again were really good. Um, and that first half for me, I know people talked about that being a scrappy rubbish first half to watch but mm. that that was every bit as important that, that they got just stuck in there was a, a tackle in the first minute I think where Carl Edwards got absolutely wiped out by Ryan Tunnicliffe over by the corner flag and they're sort of tone setting tackles and Ipswich responded with, with fire for fire you know and Sam Morsey was ratting about in midfield and leaving little bits on people and that you know that spread throughout the team and um, that's, that's the bit that that pleased me the most. Macaulay Bond, Hutchie. Does no has no one at Pompey been scouting him? Surely someone would have said, "Do not try anything, goalkeeper." When Macaulay yeah. Bond is 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 hunting around, you boys called him a pest, which I think makes him sound a bit like an insect. I'm going to christen him the Menace because that's what he is. And if I was a boxing promoter, I'd be promoting him like that. Macaulay the Menace Bond, because you have to be on your p's and q's whenever he's on the pitch and whenever he's around. Um, staggering that a keeper would try and do something like that with someone like yeah, yeah. We said this the other day, didn't we? There's there's no excuse if it happens again. After mm. everybody will have seen, and in the build up to these games, they they will have discussed it. They a hundred percent will have discussed that a little over a month ago or whatever it was, Macaulay Bond did that to Baby Peacock Farrell. So he had so much time, Bazunu, just to play a simple pass out to his left back. Um, just yeah, he, he's a bit of a. A front foot goalkeeper, Bazunu. We've seen him have some really good games again, a, a really good game against Ipswich. He's a, a front foot goalkeeper that likes to play. He's always kind of trying to pick the when he picks the ball up, he charges out to the edge of his box and he, he likes to kind of be a the start of an attack for his team and uh touch of the Man City's uh, about him there. So you know, young guy yeah, who's yeah, coming exactly. up through Man City is trying to exactly. be the sort of the next mini mini Edison, Edison and what everyone yeah. wants in a a modern day goalkeeper, but um, just put your foot through it, son. Especially when Macaulay Bond's on on the scene, and uh, I tell you what, 
he still had a lot to do, didn't he? Just like the yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, I keep, we keep referring to it as his goal against Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. It was wasn't even an assist in the end, was it? It was a pre-assist, but it felt like a McCauley Bond goal. But this time he did actually get the goal. And it looked like the ball had sort of run away from him. And then it just held up right at the last minute. You see the ball slow up and then and then he has that. I just imagine when the adrenaline spikes like that and the goalkeeper's flailing at your feet and he manages to kind of just ice in the veins, slow things down. And yeah, I think Andy said um, during the game, it was a bit like Marcus Stewart against uh, Anfield in that in that memorable Premier League season. I think he had a couple of goals like that, didn't he? Where yeah. he just sort of kept his nerve and danced back inside. And Bolton uh, in the playoffs as well, the previous, the playoff semi-final right. second leg to, uh, yeah, dance around goalkeepers, make space and then good. It was a decent finish as well yeah. from a fa- fairly, fairly foot. tight angle. So yeah, good for him. Superb. I was, I was, I was taken with two things as well that you mentioned on the night, Stewie. Um, one, but I mean, both involving the, the Pompey crowd. Um, one was the the standing ovation for Connor Chaplin when he came off. How how rarely do you see that for a player who's, yes, he's one of their own, but he's come back and absolutely thumped them at their own gaff and then gets applauded off by the home fans. Mm-hmm. And the other one was the, the mention of the kind of making you a little bit remember the situation at town not too long ago with yep. ironic cheers for shots on target and kind of a toxic atmosphere. Do you want to talk a little bit about those two? Yeah, Chaplin moment was a real <clears throat> hairs on the back of the net moment, really, that they were 4-0 down. Connor Chaplin comes off and um, all four sides of the ground, sort of Rose has won and he's one of our own. That was quite mm. the rousing reception, really. I think it even took Connor by surprise, really. It was a respectful, sort of muted celebration, of you know, a point in the direction of Genoa Danassian for the assist, but didn't go overboard. Obviously came through the ranks, had been there at quite a young age, helped them get promoted under Paul Cook from, from League Two. Um, and he's made that number 10 spot his own now, no doubt about it. I think we were mindful of that going into this game, but I think that that seals it. He's played the, He's played that role the best of any of them. As I said, he's almost like a second striker rather than an extra midfielder. His first thought is to drive forward into space. Um we talked a lot about Selena's natural movement was always to the left. I think Chaplin's got a wider range of movement. He sort of goes goes into different areas of the pitch. Took his goal really well. So he was another big bright spot. Um, and then, would I call it toxic? It was a bit... It was very much like if you go back to just before the lockdown happened and the season finished, and I remember that Fleetwood game when Ipswich lost... And there was those sarcastic cheers every time Harry Souter headed the ball away, the big centre-half, because Ipswich just kept humping it on top of him. And it gets to the stage where it's so bad that it's like gallows humour. And that's kind of where it was. I don't know if you've seen the video of the last, I would say the last 10 to 15 minutes, the Portsmouth fans kept singing, we've got the ball, we've got the ball, we've lost the ball. And it was perfectly timed every time the the possession got sort of turned over and they just did that the whole way through to the end, just pure gallows humour. And, um, you know, we had that as well during the end of the Mick McCarthy era as well, didn't we? Where it just felt like sarcastic cheers when you had a shot in the 81st minute, that sort of thing. Mm. And it was a reminder to me that even when those bad, you know, those disappointing moments happen, like Cambridge, I enjoy going to watch Ipswich again. And that, that ultimately is what we're all in football for, isn't it? 
What must that feel like for a manager standing on the touchline, your team's 4-0 down and you've got a fairly sizable crowd just mocking your mocking themselves, mocking the team just from the top. It must must feel what do you do in that in that it's just you must be at a loss. Yeah. Well, I know what I'd do. I'd, I'd get very angry, but that's just me. It's red card. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, any other notes from the game, boys? Because I want to talk about Paul Cook um, as well. But is there anything else you want to highlight from the game, either players, goals, anything like that, Hutchie? Nope. No, um, I think we're all good. Let's let's talk about Mr. Cook. Well, I've got a question for you, first of all, boys. Well, it's a twofold question. A, who takes cheese with them to a football ground? And B, who then decides I don't want this cheese anymore I'm going to lob it at Paul Cook as a show of my contempt for him um uh, baffling if that's indeed what it was uh I've got one of my general rules in life is don't trust anyone who doesn't like cheese um and I think that's a rule you can you can generally pretty much live by and I'd also add to that don't trust anyone who lobs cheese at an individual particularly at a football (laughs) ground um so Stewie what I mean because obviously I'm following the game on your tweets as I'm doing all the stuff at home for print there was a suggestion at first that it was an apple and then post-game it emerged that it may have been a, a bit of cheese. Yeah, we were up quite high in that stand behind the dugouts and at the sort of the very front of that top tier there was a few angry individuals <coughs> shouting at Mr Cook. Um, we said that Connor Chaplin got a great reception. I think Paul Cook, as much as he delivered that promotion as manager and I think they, they remember the style of football and his sort of heart on the sleeve passion quite fondly. The way he left for Wigan, I think he'd said, oh, there's, I'd only leave for one club and that would be Liverpool. And then weeks later, he'd, he'd gone to, to Wigan. And, and that was obviously well remembered. Hmm. And yeah, frustrations boiled over. And, and I think Andy and I saw something in the corner of our eye fly onto the pitch at, at one stage. And it kind of maybe about a foot or two away from Paul Cook's head and sort of shattered onto the onto the playing surface, we thought, is that is that an apple? If you can imagine the way an apple would explode upon yeah. impact, it kind of looked like that. And no one seemed to react, Cook or or anyone. And then it happened again sort of later in, in the game, didn't it, Andy? Um, we were convinced it was an apple. Then the stewards mm. kind of mobilised. There was a little guard around sort of Paul Cook towards the end of the game, and some stewards kind of mobilised around the scene where it had come from. And then, and then the plot thickened, didn't it, after the match, Andy? Yeah, we were having a little wander around the stadium to record our, our little video. And uh, first of all, we were moved on from our original uh, recording spot for that video by a, a job, let's call him a Jobsworth steward in a bike helmet, who, <laughs> uh, who uh, tried to tell us that we couldn't stand in the stand in case we fell over uh, due to health and safety reasons. So... Thank you for that. Do you know but, um, who he reminded me of? He reminded me of Neil's dad from the in-between, as if that gives you <laughs> a visual image. A gentleman like that had a bike helmet on. And why, was, not... why was he wearing a bike helmet? Is that in case but, he fell over? But, well, I think that I think that has to be the reason why, just Safety in case. First. Yeah. yeah, just uh, we didn't fall over. But that, that led us to then walk down some stairs, at which point we overheard Gary Roberts uh, having a, a debrief with a, a, a former Portsmouth colleague of, of his where he... Uh, he suggested that it was actually some cheese. So, uh, and he and he should know because he was there. Who does that, boys? Who's have you ever taken? You think right? I'm going to the game. I might take a chocolate bar. I might take a little pack of peanuts or something. Whack them in my pocket. No one goes. Tell you what, I'll do. I'll take a cheese truckle to the game. Uh, and then, <laughs> what uh, is a mid- truckle? 
it's a little round thing of cheese, isn't it? A little cheese truckle. Um, okay. And then, uh, to show my anger, I'm going to lob said cheese truckle at the manager. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever taken cheese to a football game? Not cheese. A friend of mine has become a bit of a, a meme in the Arsenal in the Arsenal community because he was caught on um, on TV eating a bag of carrot sticks <laughs> in the front row at the Emirates. Um, but it's, 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 there's some unusual food being consumed on a Tuesday night. I don't know if you're dashing to get to the game after work. Do you, oh, I need some dinner. Oh, oh cheese. I'll, I'll just maybe, take that ball of cheese. I'll just take. I'll just take the cheese. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what happened. He wouldn't have got a knife through. He shouldn't have got a knife into the ground to cut it with either. So. If it was, good. or maybe he'd gone shopping at the big Tesco's before the before the game, um, yeah, and had the cheese, but it didn't make it home. So many questions. Where where was he keeping his pickles and chutneys if he's got cheese with him? Because obviously you need those. Did he have crackers? If I mean... they'd score, if they scored a fifth, if it... <laughs> <laughs> the, the way it disintegrated on impact suggests it was a soft cheese as well, like a crumbly cheese. So okay. again, it's not like he just got a block of cheddar there. Yeah, um, you could do some damage with a block of cheddar. Mm. Thank God it was a soft cheese, eh, boys? Uh, anyway, boy, we are di- we are transgressing and digressing a bit. No, it's an important, it's an important Absolutely. topic. Absolutely, lactose-based um, implements being l- lobbed at Cook before the game, boys. Mister Cook was clearly up for it, and um, there was a, a video doing the rounds on Twitter of him interacting, shall we say, with with Pompey, well-known Pompey journalist Neil Allen before the game. What did, what did you make of that? Um, if you haven't seen the video, basically he's walking into the ground. He sees Neil, who's covered Pompey for God knows how long. Um, goes to shake his hand and then has a bit of a pop at him about stories he's been writing, saying essentially let it go. I've 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 left. Stop writing the same old stories, sort of things. He was clearly fired up, boys. You, you said uh, in one of your tweets actually he was he was barking and screaming on the sidelines, Stewie. Um, what did you make of Cook um, that video and kind of yeah I, what it meant to him? I know Paul tried to sort of downplay his return to Portsmouth being just another game, but. Mm. Um, I think there was a bit of an extra edge for this game for him. I think he was probably uncertain what sort of reception he was going to get going back to Fratton Park with fans. For the first time, he's always quite lively on the touchline, but I thought he was extra lively, probably um, exacerbated by the fact that the Cowley brothers are normally sort of uh, adding to that. They're sort of known for sort of getting at the fourth official and baiting the opposition dugout. I think Danny Cowley kept telling the fourth official every time Paul Cook stepped a yard or two outside of his technical area. Um, That's the school prob- teacher in him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> which which probably wound up Paul a little bit more. But um, I, I think uh, Neil Allen and Paul ended up having a, a good laugh and a handshake after after the game, which I suppose you can do when you've won 4-0. But um, it's an emotional game, isn't it, football? And I, I, people read far too much into these sort of exchanges. Paul, you know... Paul had a good laugh with us as he walked past on the video. Does that mean we're, we're best friends in the world? Next week, he'll probably be telling me to to stop writing rubbish at some point. That's just mm. the nature of the game. And I don't know. Paul was a little bit... We talked about Paul being a little bit spiky on Monday coming into this. On a completely human level, let's not forget, the guy lost his dad less than two weeks mm. ago and worked through that period and is probably still going through the grieving process and things come out in different ways. And he's and as I said before, he's a guy who just wears his heart on his sleeve. I think what you see is what you get with Paul Cook. He's an, he's an emotional man. Um, and I like that. And I think fans like that as well. He, he lives it and kicks it and breathes it the same as the rest of us as well. So as much as he now talks about staying level-headed and you don't win anything and trying to do all the manager speak, 
he's as up and down as the rest of us. I'm sure of it. Can I just say as well, boys? If you um, carry on, if you've not watched the video post game, do go and watch it. Bravo to you, boys, because like the professionals you are, Paul Cook walks by, you beckon him back and say, "Come on, come on, say hello," and he duly does. And you you break obviously while he says something to the camera about I hope they're saying nice things about us tonight, and then he disappears, and you immediately just resume where you were. Incredibly professional performance, boys. Fantastic. But Hutchie, obviously, this game meant a lot to Paul Cook, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, and I'm really pleased for him that he got the result that, that he would have wanted for it. They've been back to Portsmouth already under him, of course, back in, I think it was March, April time, um, lost 2-1, let a lead slip. Same old same old stories. I think that might have been a day where certain certain players maybe came to the end of the line with Paul Cook mm. um, at, that, at that game at Fratton Park. But to do it with fans, um, yeah, clearly... Big big night for him. He's got a lot of friends down there. I think he uh, we're told maybe there was some 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 people that he knew that came to the hotel the night before the game, like old friends from Portsmouth. It's it's big for it's big for managers. I think Paul is the kind of man that whichever club he's at, he he's kind of all in on on that club. He, he in in the grand scheme of things, actually, he's his time at clubs is quite quite brief in the. In in terms of this, the amount of seasons he has at certain clubs, but it, he's the kind of bloke that while he is at a club, it's all in, give mm. everything. And um, so to go back to a, a club like Portsmouth, big crowd, good crowd, and to do that would have been would have been massive for him. There's another one to come, of course, with Wigan in um, in December as well. So uh, yeah, we, we we've got to strap ourselves in to do this all again. I'm, I'm sure he'll get us possibly a slightly better reception at, at Wigan than he than he did at, at Portsmouth given the, the the nature of his departure and how tough that was for, I can't for wait his for team that. to be broken up. That's gonna be great. The Liam Richardson faced yeah. off master versus apprentice, the man that he tried to yeah. uh, lure back to Portman Road that um decided that that's gonna be great. So much hashtag narrative there, boys. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, this, as we talked about, obviously meant a lot to Cook. It, it meant a lot to to the players as well to do it for him, didn't it, Hutchie? Because you spoke to Christian Walton after the game and he mentioned that. Um, yeah. In terms of what we spoke about on Monday, obviously we we spent time talking about the substitutions at Cambridge and um, Cook saying that that was been all overanalyzed and he hated all that sort of side of things. Um, so, being as we spent time talking about that and maybe being critical of that, what? Is there stuff we should praise him about, particularly for this game? And can you talk a little bit about what Walton said to you after the game? Walton's, Christian Walton is a man that clearly... Um, <clears throat> Stuart, are you looking up what substitutions got yes. made on there? Yeah. <laughs> is, I'm, I'm going to need to do that in a minute as well. Um, do you want them? Uh, yeah, quick, quickly, let's have them. because I'm gonna You, have you to talk about up. Walton and then I'll yeah. give them to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's played for Cook before, uh, for two seasons on loan at... At Wigan, and and he he was he was just saying. I I asked him what that meant to the players to be able to deliver that for Paul Cook, and and he was pretty clear they they were really happy to do that for him because he's a he's a manager that is so passionate and puts so much into uh, his teams. So to be able to get kind of the joy out of it, that the the joy that he puts in to come out, they were they were really really pleased for him. He was saying that maybe a, a managers um, managers don't get enough credit for. For for when these big wins come, and he's he's probably we talked about the manager getting too much criticism, mm. um, in the wake of poor results, didn't we? And it's it's probably right. You probably the players probably get a bigger bulk of the praise for for the big wins, and the managers take the heat for the for the yeah. losses. So so Christian thought it was it was right that um that the manager maybe got a little bit of a 
little bit of praise for for what his players did for him on on the pitch. Go on, then, Stu. I mean, clearly um, he, he changed the team anyway, didn't he? he brought Toto in. He did. Um, yeah, yeah. He that's where the praise comes. Yeah. I think for this is the the changes that he made to the starting eleven. The subs thing is a bit of an irrelevance for me. Paul sort of said, yeah. "Oh, on Saturday, I, I made this." He said, basically, made a little bit of a a comment about I made the same attacking substitutions at Cambridge, and I've done it today, and. I look like a genius. Ipswich were 3-0 up when they made their first sub. Burns for Edwards, they were 4-0 up when they made their last two subs. Harper for Chaplin and Selina for Aluko. So, yes, he did make the same sort of three changes in the area of the pitch, but the difference was you're 3-0 up, the game's won. Um, so, I don't think that really changes the can Paul Cook make the right substitutions to change the the mm. way a game is going type thing. The, the the praise comes from this game is that he was bold enough to make the four changes to the starting 11. We talked about Burgess being probably in that sort of amber to red zone. And I think we, Andy and I were both of the feeling that he might get one more game, but he may, he decided to make that change and go with Toto. We knew that Walton would probably, as soon as he was fit, would, would come in. So that wasn't a great surprise. Evans, we knew would come straight back in after, after his, um, partner had, had given birth. I thought he actually made a. Re- I thought he was the biggest part of that second half performance with the way he sort of controlled, intercepted, controlled possession. Um, but those two defensive changes were were quite big. And Carl Edwards came in as well for Fraser, who wasn't in the eighteen. We're not actually in amongst the the, the joy of the four 0 win. Didn't get an update on that. I assume that's an injury, but the. The Toto change at centre half was quite a bold one. That's that's where I think the uh, the praise comes from. Hmm. Okay, just just a couple more things to mention before we move on to this weekend, which is clearly another big game. Um, Peter Reed was there wearing a very natty jacket. Where was Mark Ashton though, boys? Not dissimilar I... to yours. Can can I just point out? I know I thought it was very fashionable indeed. Probably would have looked better on me, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Mark Ashton, I know he was there. So why didn't we see him shirtless at the halfway line waving an Ipswich Town flag after the four 0 win? Cold, isn't it? Very cold. <laughs> Windy. Lincoln was nice and sunny. Yeah. Okay, so he's a, he's a fair weather um, high-fiver, fan <laughs> yeah. celebrator, shall we say. Because that would have just topped the evening for me if we'd just seen Ashton doing yeah. the same kind of... Yeah! You know, like Sunus at Galatasaray, where he yeah. goes and plants the flag in the centre circle. I want yeah. that, but a big flag that just said Checkbook FC, and Ashton yeah. just goes and <laughs> sticks it in the centre circle. Maybe just, flicking some Vs as he walks back down the tunnel. Just burning 50 quid now as he walks down the <laughs> sideline. Yeah, Superb. Right then, boys. Um, a small break just to remind you to please support our sponsors, manscaped.com. Um, use code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Been using the weed whacker this morning, boys. Notice the old uh, proboscis needed a trim up, the old ears as well. Um, old being the, the key term as I approach my dotage um i've got some big decisions to make uh one day we'll, we'll talk about those uh but yeah uh, code koa at manscaped.com for 20 off and free delivery this weekend boys fleetwood town at home stewie you are off as of tomorrow you're off up to scotland so you're going to miss the next couple of games a well-earned break and i'm sure that's going to be lovely scotland fantastic we've talked about it before hutchie how much we both love scotland um whereabouts are you going stewie just before we dive into fleetwood where are you going couple of nights at Edinburgh and then we're, uh, we've got a little base in Perth, sort of near the Perthshire Fife border. There's a base to go and explore, so it'd be nice. Lovely. Scotland's amazing. Anyway, you won't be at Portman Road this weekend. Mr Hutchie will, along with the big porker uh, and Roscoe, who's just texted me and said, sorry, I had a dentist appointment. I'm going to put that in 
inverted commas, I think, a dentist appointment. Anyway, um, I'll speak to him in due course. But Fleetwood Town, this weekend, boys, we said before, this is this is a game after they've they've got a statement win. Just like Doncaster, they won 6-0 and we were like, yeah, everything's great and it's liftoff. And then they went and lost at Accrington Stanley. Much like this situation, they've won 4-0 at Pompey, which you know, arguably is a much better win than the win over Doncaster, given the, the relative backgrounds of the sides, etc. And the fact it was away. They've got Fleetwood at home this weekend. This is a game, really, they have to win, isn't it, Hutchie? I'm not saying it's a must-win game, but we need to start seeing chaining results together, don't we? Yeah, Stu, Stu talked earlier about the, the the little tests that are being passed. And, and uh, as we said earlier in this, it's, this is the next one, the back, the back-to-back the back wins. You've, you've got your win, the Don, same as the Doncaster game. I don't think they'll make the same mistakes as they did at Fleet uh, at Accrington. It's clearly it's a different game, but um, but yeah, it is one they need. I think every home game now you're going to look at it because of the ground they've got to make up. Portman Road is a is a ground where they've got Paul Cook's actually got a fairly pretty good record at at Portman Road. Um, that Bolton game aside, um, and some dropped points aside, but you'll look at every home game now, and they they have to win them really um, because if they don't. That's another that's another away win they need to go and get to slowly grind their way their way back into this Fleetwood um, interesting interesting side they lost on they lost on Tuesday I think it was Burton they lost to at yeah. home but but prior to that they they had a, I think it was a run of one loss in ten in that in that run so mm. um, I'm just looking at their results it's, now it's not going to be easy you know uh, I know people look at their position in the table but they put three goals past Cheltenham they scored four at Rotherham. 2-2 against Sunderland, 2-2 against Cambridge, 3-3 against MK Dons, 3-0 against Crewe. So this test of whether Ipswich now can start shutting the door on, on faces, I'm sure will be will be tested by Fleetwood. Mm. Um, we just got to all get our feet back on the floor. I know get our feet back on the floor and make sure that they, you know. That this this isn't just a runaway win that we sometimes we start now looking ahead to we're guilty of skipping ahead mm. to well can they do it against Wickham and can they do it against you know let's let's get Fleetwood done first and the players have got to make sure that they and I'm sure you know that's their job they they they, make, they take one game at the time that's why we get all the cliches from from in house but it, it's true they've got to um, this isn't a given on Saturday mm. should we talk about the selection poses selection questions Hutchie because there are a few. Um, mainly it's it's who to leave out and who to bring in because they're on fire, particularly at the top of the pitch. I think by, by the look of it, the, the back four and the midfield, Evans and Morsey, is pretty much set, isn't it? Walton now, you'd expect to continue in goal. But up front, obviously, they've got Bon, who's on Fuego. He's not going anywhere. But you've got Chaplin's got four and six. Aluko's got three and two. Carl Edwards came back and got subbed off early on Tuesday. You've got Selena to come back into the side. You've got Wes Burns. Um, what would you do? Up top, I think there's one, there's one variable, and that, and that's who well, who who plays in the attacking three with, uh, I imagine, Aluko and and Chaplin. Um, I don't know what I would do. He's got too many options. I'm, I don't think Kyle Edwards did enough to completely nail it down. Um, I think he he had some good moments where he got the ball and was able to run run at his man, but never kind of did it in too dangerous an area. But at the same time, I, he also didn't do enough to not deserve another go at it. Hmm. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if if Cook went went the same again with this one. 
Um, but my, I'd want to get Wes Burns back in this team. Mm. I th- I think um, I'd want to get him back in the team, um, and I'd be tempted to maybe even see if a Luco fancy to go on the left side because I think he could play there as well. Um, I honestly don't know what he'll do, um, and I don't think he probably expected to have this many options for for one what for what is now feeling like one position in the team. An embarrassment of riches, Stewie. Um, Sonny Luco, the man who I put nineteenth and bottom of Ipswich Town's summer signing business in terms of making an impact. Once again, he does it. So many good hot takes on this podcast. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah, I think I just said I don't. I can't see him when he's going to play. Uh, there we go. In my face, on a and I enjoy being wrong when it's like this. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what do you make of that up top? Because it is, like, as I say, that they've got so many options now. Up yeah, top. And, and it does that's... appear to be that one position now, doesn't it? That left-sided winger, yeah. which is unbelievable because earlier in the season we were going, Carl Edwards, core, cool, what a player. He's nailed on. I think and the now... two the two wide spots are still sort of not nailed down yet. But now yeah. Chaplin, I think, is starting to become embedded as, as that 10. You know, not even mentioned Fraser then potentially coming back into the mix there. You're talking about Edwards, Selena, Fraser, Aluko, Burns, five players for two positions there I think Burns going up against his former clubs that has to be a bit a little bit of a factor I think his pace at home excites mm. fans I think um he came on and, and had a real impact off off the bench um I don't know if you've seen that touch with Toto's raking pass out to the mm-hmm. right and takes it sort of on the run on the outside of his boot um but how can you can't how can you drop Sonny Aluko after scoring three goals in in two games and I think he's the exact He's more the type of wide man that Paul Cook likes, someone who plays tucked well inside Sonia Luco. He almost becomes part of the midfield unit mm. and vacates space for, for others to get forward. So major selection headaches. With Bur- we're talking about Burson Selina coming back from international duty and not walking straight back into a team. That's just where Ipswich are at at the moment. Um so, yeah, you would imagine the rest of it will, will be the same at the back, even if Coulson's back. I don't know how quickly they'll sort of chuck him back into the mix. But I thought, going back to Toto coming into the team, Edmondson shuffling across to left-sided centre-half feels like quite a small tweak, but I thought that made a massive difference mm. because I thought he helped Penny. And I thought between Penny and Burgess, it looked like a bit of a weak link as an area when you've kind of got two players slightly below it and they, they combined to make a... a an area of weakness and I think Edmondson helped Penny and I think Toto was Toto was Toto he had a couple of slightly dodgy moments in the first half but in general he's got pace to get himself out of danger he's strong we know that Um, I just thought that looked a far more solid back unit Mm. and can we also pause to appreciate Andy Warren you were the first to coin the term denaissance we very much are in, in in another, the third and possibly greatest period of denaissance now. He's going to be up against a team that he, he played for last season as well this weekend. Um, a word for Janoy. Did we ever think that Janoy Denaissian, as much as we all love him and have spoken on many times how he never lets town down and a great backup defender, we never thought he'd be the nailed on right back starter, did we? Uh, no, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody did. I don't think I don't think he did uh, either. Um but I also don't think he probably thought about it that much because he is one of the most relaxed, laid-back mm. footballers you will um, you will ever meet. Um, he's doing exactly what is asked of him at the moment, um, and then some actually. Um, he's yeah, creating goals as well. He made two on. I mean, yeah. that's that's not a part yeah. of his game traditionally, is it? No, it certainly isn't. But it's um, yeah, it's good to see. I I do think he. 
I do think that switch is exactly what Ipswich needed at that point. It was enforced, really, because Kane had... He wasn't injured as such, but he had such a tough time that that change simply had to be made um, mm. at that point. But I think the the kind of the the, the solid sort of no frills approach to right back was exactly what they needed at that at that point, which helped them begin this kind of run of more more settled run that they've had, and, and he's grown within that as well to to kind of grow into his role. So yeah, it's um. It's really, it's really nice to um, to see that one coming good. The hero that Ipswich Town need. Um, million pound picks, Hutchie. Because one thing that was concerning me on Tuesday night when Town were two, two and three nil up, I thought this is great, but Hutchie's going to lose money. And then, of course, the fourth goal goes in. I realise that's it. He's won. Town has scored four. He's betting on at least four goals. So, yeah, after Stu's hatchet job on your pot. You've at least started the climb back towards a million pounds in in the in the kitty. Well, over it, back over the million. Are you just yeah. like that? Yeah, Stewie, but Stewie shaved off six hundred grand. How have you managed? <laughs> yeah, it's back so, to what one million and twenty five grand. We're oh, back up at to that. now one five one five hundred back. Never let Watson near your cash again. Um, what are you doing this weekend? Million pound picks. Well, we're at one million and twenty five thousand pounds. Um, I don't have. This game, this game worries me a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I'm not doing anything particularly drastic. I'm going small stake, massive reward on this one. So, I'm going to shave off the 25 grand uh, and use that all on uh, Ipswich to win two nil and Burst Anselina to be the last goal scorer Ooh. at at 77 to one. Wow! Which would return 1.95 million. <laughs> So you're working on the basis they're going to win, and you, you reckon soon he's going to come off the bench and put the, uh, the cap on it. That's yeah. showing you're working out. Yeah, Trem- tremendous. Um, so we've got your prediction there. Is that actually your prediction? Town to win two nil. Yeah. Yeah. Stewie, Stewie, what are you saying? Oh, um, I'm going to have to say a town win. It would feel, feel wrong of me to say otherwise at the moment. Um, Maybe a little bit tougher than than that. I'll go uh, two one. Two one. I'm going to say uh, one nil. I, I can't bring myself to to pick against town after that that victory at Pompey. But equally, like you say, this is not going to be a straightforward game. Um, and there is a concern that it may be a little bit overlooked going into games against sides that are further up the table. So Hutchie says two nil. Stu says two one. I say one nil. Um, Boys, anything else to discuss? Can I just point out, Stewie, I've just realised, are you wearing a T-shirt that says Dad? Uh, I am, yes. This is, <laughs> this is my there you go. Mark, do you, know who that, there, do you know I've, who that is? I've no idea who that is. It's some kind of cartoon dog. Yeah, it's got Ips- Ipswich Town connotations as well. Has it? That's, that's Bluey, mate. It's Bluey. It? Yeah. yeah, that's Bluey. It's, uh, it's like an Australian kids cartoon which is uh i would say the best of the kids cartoons out there really he's the he's the dad that i aspire to be bluey's dad why this was a father's day present it's just a, it's just a good fun empathetic father figure what are the best as as parents yourselves what's the best because obviously you, you clearly have to watch a lot of things on rotation now i'd imagine is there anything that you think actually that's not that's not too i don't mind putting this one on 
Would that uh, be Bluey? Would probably be top of that list. Yeah, yeah. Bluey's all right. Um, we're watching a lot of uh, a lot of Miraculous on uh, on Disney at the moment, which is a a, a classic um, story of a girl who is uh, by day a Parisian school child, by, by night by night she is Ladybug, the uh, the crime fighting uh, hero that Paris needs. Um, <laughs> that, that's all right. Um, the one I can't stand, and I'm, we're getting past we're we're past it now. Thankfully, is is Mister Tumble. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I just the, cannot. I, I, the, I just can't do it. The geezer, the geezer Mister Tumble's made a mint though, isn't he? I know he, I know he has, but it's oh, it's it's horrific. It's not for me. I like the principles of it. I love the principles of it. Um, but it's just not for me. Do you, do you ever pull out the classics from your, I mean, like things like, for example, I remember watching when I was a kid, like Banana Man and all that sort of stuff. Is that ever on rotation I have, tr- I have tried going to YouTube and sort of, um, yeah, introducing our daughter to, to old classics like, um, did we try Poddington Peas? Yeah. Um, tried her with a bit, I think, Care Bears, because uh, that was my wife trying to introduce yeah. that. All sorts, that, that sort of, yeah. We did 80s, the raccoons. Did you watch the oh, raccoons? The raccoons, the yeah, raccoons we, were sick, man. Yeah, so we tried the. Yeah, we tried the raccoons the other day. She quite liked it. So there's some there's some hope. But the the problem is the quality of it is so kind of the the actual visual quality bad. of it is so bad that they don't even recognise it as being like real TV. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> that's the problem with it. But raccoon, the soundtrack to raccoons was um was brilliant. DuckTales as well. Do you remember yeah, DuckTales? DuckTales Duck is available on on Disney Plus, I believe. There's some great um, there's some great clips, isn't there, of, of 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 athletes and teams dancing to the tune of DuckTales, um, which is definitely worth a look. Do any of you remember Pob Boys? While we're on this, I'm aware of Pob. Pob. I'm aware I've, of Pob. Yeah, I've no idea how that was allowed back in the day. As far as I remember, it, it was basically a, a a puppet that looked like something out of a nightmare spitting onto your tv screen and then writing in it oh um, yeah i do remember that remember that now. how yeah. the hell did they let us do watch that back in the day i'm sure that's that they would never get away with that now surely puppet gossing all over screen while looking like something out of a, a wes craven horror film not for me yeah was that around the time of trapdoor as well do you remember that one yeah vaguely mm. vaguely yeah anyway i, I digress is, is this I'll... is this good audio i'm assuming there's a lot of parents out there sorry hachi Let's get back to football. The Hurricanes, remember that? <laughs> yeah. Trying. Um, that, that's. Uh, I might try her out on the Hurricanes at some point. Played. Didn't they play in like the top of a mountain in Peru or something? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Top stuff. Anyway, let us know what your favourite TV uh, kids programmes are. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there in the Kawe Army who go through this exact same thing. Anyway, boys, anything else to mention other than other than um, TV programmes? One more note on Fleetwood. Yep. Uh, Mr. Joe Garner is, uh, of course, is making his Portman Road. Has he been back? I don't think he'll have been back since he left Ipswich, really. Yeah, I think he came with Wigan. In, oh, um... did he? Yeah. Okay. Well, he came off the bench at the weekend. Um, be nice to see him. Well, I'm sure we'll get the. Uh, I'm sure he'll be flopping to the floor within seconds of uh, coming <laughs> on. That will that will bring back some memories. Listen to this Wigan. This is the Wigan team that he came back with in 2018. Listen to the players in this. Christian Walton, Callum Connolly, Sam Morsey, Gary Roberts, Lee Evans, Joe Garner, <laughs> all played in that game for Wigan, for Paul Cook's Wigan. 
and look at them now. There we go. Tremendous. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's celebratory Kings of Anglia podcast after that fantastic 4-0 will at Portsmouth. Just a reminder again to support our sponsors, manscaped.com. Use the code ko 8 manscapecom for 20% off and free delivery and also follow us across all the social medias. Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Boys, I watched the uh, the new James Bond film uh, while you're on your way to Portsmouth on Tuesday. Um, absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't want to get saying any more than that. But it's a it's a film you I think you have to see in a cinema because it's so big and loud. Um, yeah, it left me honestly. I walked out of the the cinema in a state of shock. Thank you to the uh, group of teenage girls who discussed very loudly the uh, the spoiler that everyone else has been quite quite consciously trying to sort of avoid. Uh, oh, great! On the train the other day. So yeah, thanks for that. Don't mention Cheers. it. Cheers. Do not. Quite spoil a few it people in the carriage turned around and basically said, "Shut the." Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So, um, yeah, I've got an idea of where it goes, but I, I'll, I'll still watch it. Is it is it better than? Did you agree with Mike Bacon's review the other day, or is it better than that? Um, it's certainly up there in terms of best Bond films. I'm not sure it's better than Skyfall as a as a standalone piece of work. It's it is probably a little bit too long, but the the action sequences are mental. There's a, there's a nod to like John Wick in there. There's some very John Wick esque action sequences with with the uh, gun fighting shall we say um and the ending is staggering absolutely staggering um and as i say we all kind of walked out of the cinema in silence in shock um it, it i'm actually going back to watch it again next week with the wife that's when the cinema's the best i think yeah when you cut when you I, I was the same with um dunkirk <laughs> dunkirk yeah uh, went and watched that and came out in a bit of a kind of for probably slightly different reasons but just in a you come out and you're just kind of feeling it mm. like the cinema the cinema has affected you that uh, and, that's and another that, classic example dunkirk is a film that you really need to see at the yeah, cinema because the, the sound is so important in that you don't get that just watching it on your tv at home uh, and yeah. i'd say the same same for this bond film yeah did you see tenet I haven't when seen that. that no. I, I, that was good at the cinema. I've watched it again since on not cinema screen, and it's just not the same. Like mm. it's like it's the sound, isn't it? The immersive nature exactly. of it. Hundred percent. Anyway, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Fleetwood Town this weekend. Andy Hutch Warren, Mike the Big Porker Bacon, and Roscoe will be your team at Portman Road on Saturday. Stewie, enjoy your holiday in Scotland. Bring us back some tartan and some single malt whiskey. I'd muchly appreciate that. For the rest of you, friends, have a great rest of the week. Enjoy your weekend. If you're going to the game, enjoy that. And we'll speak to you again on Monday. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
facebook.com slash channel slash